says, happy birthday, happy birthday. Who, Alan Blackman? Uh, I'm guessing Lionel Richie, I oh, think. Absolutely. No idea. Well, it's Lionel Richie, yeah. you're the musician here. Yeah. Isn't, it, isn't he fantastic? No. Wonder, yes, no. he is. <laughs> he was good Can, when he was with the Commodores, okay. but then he just went trash. Yeah, well, from Come an on. amazing career with song funk band, the Commodores, to a stellar solo career with songs like Lady and this one here, Running With The Knife. He co-wrote the 1985 charity single, We Are The World, with Michael Jackson. And, look, no one can wear a linen blazer over a T-shirt with <laughs> sleeves pushed up like Lionel Richie. What about Don Johnson? Come on. Well, a close second, huh? <laughs> yeah. And didn't wasn't Lionel performing for King Charles's he concert? He was. They were very close friends. Yes, one of the headline acts, in fact. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, you're on it. Yes, oh, that's all right. This. You know your Lionel Richie stuff. <laughs> anyway, happy birthday from the panel. Uh, well, How old is he? Yeah, Cindy that's the I. question. How old is Born he? Born in. Uh, he's seventy-four. He's 74 right. years Ooh, old today. Spring chicken. Yep, Boy. exactly. Uh, John says, while I was out cycling in Wellington a few years ago, I found a wallet and its contents strewn across the road. Tire levers too. I picked up all I could find, and when I got home, went through what I found. A US driver's license helped me find a phone number there. Rang, I left a message. 30 minutes later, I got a call from the owner who was here on secondment for a spell, and I got a Cardinals baseball cap. It was more than enough. Yes. How about that? <laughs> well, it it's just shows that, uh, uh, you know, being grateful yes. and showing your gratitude, a little koha, is, is a, you know, no, it's a good thing to y- do. You got a lot of support there, Sydney, from your, with your $100 uh, mm. koha to that gentleman. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Very good. It's 24 to 5, the panel. And I just wanted to sort of raise this briefly to both of you. It's been big news today, has it not? Uh, the always the always alleged Michael Boxall was abused late in the first half of their game with Captain Joe Bell raising the matter with the referee, but no action was taken, and the always then refused to take the field second half. NZ Football Chief Executive Andrew Pragnall said several players heard the comment and he endorses the action taken by the team. He said, we fully support the action of our players. There is no room for racism uh, in football around the panel. Brave move, do the right thing, or should they have just kept on ploughing through and kept on playing? Ellen. Mm, oh, that's, a, that's a tough one. But, I mean, you've got the president of FIFA, Gianni Infantino, himself saying a couple of weeks ago that officials should stop a game uh, if players were subject to abuse. Um, now, it wasn't the officials that stopped the game in this case, and I think that sort of um, statement was more about perhaps um, the crowds giving the players what not the players giving the players what So, um, no, I, I support it. I think that's, you know, there's, there's, there's no place for it. And there's a nice little parallel, I think, with the current te- Ashes test at the moment when Ollie Robertson gave um, Usman Khawaja the big send-off and more swear words than I can say on RNZ. And that really was not a good look. But, oh, you know, apparently it's all part of the game and bantering. And nah, nah. Well, I do think it was a shame we were winning. And <laughs> yeah, that's right, 1-0. Nil. Nil. I, I know. Wouldn't that have been the, but, but that have no. been the prize? No. Say, we bet you, even though you... Abused us. Look, I, I, you know, I think further to what Alan said, that the the head of FIFA said we must call out racism in our in our game, and so this is just putting him on notice. This is yeah, just saying, yeah, okay, exactly. you know, money where your mouth is. What's his name, Enrico Inf- Infantino, Gianni, Infant- Infantino. Gianna. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know, this is what you said, and so we're doing it. Um, you know, you can't can't tell a Kiwi to do something and. 
you know, then not expect to get a result. Mm. And how else do you actually clean up the game? Because it is unnecessary. Remember that poor English mm. young man who got That's right. a terrible, Shocking, terrible yeah. trolling. Mm. Mm. Uh, the panel, uh, NZ National, Apple, Spotify, iHeart also. Now, ever wondered why, despite best intentions, you often struggle to make good in quotes, financial decisions consistently. There is a growing body of evidence that personality traits play a crucial part in either aiding or hindering with those smart financial decisions. New research has identified five distinct money personalities and knowing yours may help change your financial habits. With us is Dr. Aisha Scott, lecturer in the finance department at the AUT Business School and is behind that money personality quiz on sorted.org. Dot NZ. Dr. Scott, kia ora. Kia ora. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Quite a fascinating. Where's, where's my notes here? You, you, you identified five money personalities that drive how we spend money, each with their own strengths and weaknesses. I was looking at the notes to find out what one I was. I, I'm not quite sure what I am, whether I'm a little bit, a little bit frugal, a little bit of a risk taker. Tell us about those. Yeah, so we basically did a big survey um, of 54 questions and thankfully we've managed to narrow that down to five money personalities but we only need 17 questions to get you there. So if you do the quiz on sorted.org.nz, look at those 17 questions then you'll be able to have them tell you what you are and direct you accordingly. Yeah, though interesting, here you go, the five. There's an Enterpriser, financially confident, future-orientated planner, proud of being money savvy. Uh, you've got a bit of self-control there. You've got the minimalist, frugal, confident with saving. They value a simpler life, not materialistic, Cindy. Um, <laughs> and Alan. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Wallace. <laughs> Whoops. We all need 10 uh, houses. Oh, brilliant. A socialite, a joyful risk taker, <laughs> and you've got a realist, future focused, very conservative with risk and values money highly. What are you, Alan? Uh, <laughs> of, of all of those, I think I'm a realist. I think I don't like risk. So, I, yeah, yeah, I think that's me. What about you, Cindy? Well, I don't think you could describe my money personality with any any of those things. I mean, I'm a, Aisha, I think I must be a, a hybrid. Money burns a hole in my pocket, and yet I'll get to the supermarket and go, oh, my Lord, those kitty biscuits are $23, not 26 so I'll buy seven of them, which probably isn't isn't the right thing to I, do. I, I wonder whether maybe you're a minimalist. Um, so our minimalists are... Conscious, they're actively managing their money and saving is their superpower. So this might mean that for some of our minimalists, you're actively hunting out those bargains um, and you're taking oh. advantage of those bargains when you see them and squirreling your money away. But you're very conservative with risk. <laughs> well, my husband says that it's crazy because if I buy six of them, the money that I've outlaid for six big bags of kitty biscuits is not worth the $2 a bag that I've saved. Or worth the vet bills on an obese cat. I <laughs> no, well, I don't give them to them all at once. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, Aisha, according to a financial capability survey by Te Ara Ahong Ora, New Zealanders mm-hmm. are good with the basics, but 
we score lower than comparable countries like Canada, Norway, Australia and Ireland on the more, if you like, advanced financial capabilities like long-term savings. Why do you think that is? Yeah, so um, the Retirement Commission's research team did this really comprehensive financial capability study um, and what they found was in comparison to sort of our our peers, um, the Aussies, the Canadians, we do better with the operational side, but when it comes to long-term planning, when it comes to confidence, Kiwis are a little bit down on ourselves. Um, I personally think that this comes from the fact we don't like thinking about money, we don't like talking about money in a meaningful, constructive way, and that's holding us back. What um, the Money Personality Quiz does is gives Kiwis a really fun, engaging tool that teaches them something about themselves um, while also, um, you know, pointing them in the right direction, letting them take that first step. If you're an enterpriser, that's great, but you're not needing the same information as a contemporary who's um, concerned about different things um, and is facing a different situation potentially. So, Aisha, you say uh, we don't want to talk about money. Who are you suggesting that we talk about money with? I mean, my mother said you never talk about money with anybody. <laughs> well, that's, who, that's it, I isn't mean, it? Mm. Yeah, but who, who, you know, we're out for a cup of coffee. You know, I mean, you talk about, you don't talk about your money with your friends, surely. Oh, absolutely you do. I oh, wish do? everyone <laughs> would. Oh, <laughs> really? So, Gosh. Absolutely. It's not um, and, and this is... And this is why a, a fun quiz, everyone loves a quiz, everyone loves a personality quiz. We need to talk to ourselves and get that inner dialogue going about money so that we can talk to our parents, talk to our partners, talk to our siblings, our kids about this. And this is where New Zealanders really, um, you know, need to break down their money taboo. We need to step past that discomfort and get better at this because Ultimately, the end goal is high financial well-being. We all want to be financially secure. This is one step that everyone can take to just start the conversation. I'm a minimalist. What are you? You know, it's it's good fun and it's informative and it's useful. Well, that's a fair point, Ellen. Hmm. We need to start talking about cash, money. Yeah. Yeah. Only with your savings. family, though, I used to say. You're not suggesting that you go to the local cafe and start screaming about whether you're <laughs> saving. Yeah. Oh, I- Absolutely. I I do. Um, kind of my, my bread and butter. But yeah, I mean, everyone needs to do what they're comfortable with. Yeah. But if we normalise some of these taboo topics, then it'll, it, prevent, it creates, is the word I'm looking for, creates a safe place. So that if someone is perhaps not feeling um, particularly confident with their money, we can learn from each other. And I think that that's really important. Um, very fair points. All, yeah, if we all stay silent, then someone, you know, your mate might be having a really hard time with financial hardship and they don't know where to turn and they don't know if they can share that. Um, and so I think it can be a really powerful okay. tool to just break down those barriers. All right, that quiz is on sorted.org.nz with us, uh, Dr. Aisha Scott, lecturer in the finance department at AUT. Kia ora, Aisha, thank you. Um, fair point, though, because, uh, look, it is taboo. 
It's mm. really taboo here. Well, I, I get a lot of emails from Nigeria wanting to talk to me about money. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. yeah. But, I mean, the point is, what, I mean, what are you going to say? Oh, hi, uh, <laughs> Cindy. How are you getting on with your business? It, it, how's that overdraft? Is it, you know, are you working in your overdraft or not? You yeah, need, it's, you need it's been, you know, how much do you earn? Yeah, you know. Uh, when was incomes. the last time you got a rise? How much did it rise oh, by? I mean, like, that which, sort of stuff. Which we would never go near. We, well, no, we, we would never ask, ask those questions. No, no, but I'm sure in other countries they would. I'm but sure salary is confidential too, in in terms of, of businesses. Well, why? Most, why most is businesses, it? Why? Why? You, you talked about open banking. Why can't we be? Why can't we be more transparent <laughs> when it comes to personal transactions? Financially? Well, it's just because it's private. I mean, you know, who wants but why? to know whether you're. How much money you got? Well, I do. Well, I don't think <laughs> I really money do. is not the definer of you as a person. No. If you have it or you don't, right. whatever. You okay. Know. Uh, speaking of money, uh, I found a wallet in Wellington with five hundred dollars in it and a student ID. As I was a poor student, I felt for the owner. I took a hundred bucks and handed it into the police station. The duty officer said, "That's the first. No one has ever handed in a wallet with that much money." <laughs> oh well, that's good. The um, our little. Uh, street guy said that he didn't take it to the police because it just took too long to get it back to the person. Okay. Now, uh, it's uh, this is interesting, uh, this one, uh, and I'm keen to chat about this. Every year, tens of millions of dollars worth of unused medication goes straight to landfill. But a Christchurch pharmacist uh, is hoping to change that. Puneet Saini is calling for a certification system to reuse untouched medicines safely. He is taking a petition to Parliament this week, Thursday, I think, alongside support from the Royal College of GPs and the Pharmaceutical Society. With us, Puneet Saini, pharmacist. Welcome, Puneet. Uh, kia ora. How are you? Very well. Thanks for being with us. Now, what made you want to do something about this? Sure. Um, before I answer that question, um, can I uh, run a quick thought experiment with everyone listening, please? Sure. Cool. So imagine you are the guardian of a cash of um, a pool of cash, and your job is to take some cash out of that pool, um, stamp the name, um, and give it to a person um, who, whoever you named it for. Now imagine that person comes back a few days later after you've given that of cash a uh, uh, bunch of cash to a, to, a, to the person they come back with the same amount of money and say okay thank you for giving it to me um unfortunately uh, fortunately i didn't need to use it can you use it for someone else now the uh, imagine being yourself in the situation where the uh, you are legally prohibited to repurpose that um, bunch of cash for someone else all you can do with that cash is throw that in the bin and see that um, every single day you go to work and imagine um, how that um, bunch of cash could be used for um, something else. And day after day you do that and eventually mm. a waste collector collects that and dumps it in the landfill. Mm. And that's exactly what um, happened to me when I was working in a um, community pharmacy in Christchurch where a patient had returned about $16,000 worth of medication, um, wow. which she didn't need because her um, condition had improved and she had hoped that uh, that uh, expensive medication would be utilised for someone else. Um, but that's illegal. And, and I, I think that's, that's just nuts. And, and here we are. Started. Here we are. Here yeah. we are on the radio. All right, round the piece. Stay there, uh, Puneet. Let's get a response, and we'll res- you can respond to both, Alan. Yeah, Puneet. I think um, what you're doing is a- absolutely admirable. Um, I know that um, medicines have expiry dates and stuff like that, but I think um, surely if 
uh, the medicine is is not up to it its expiry date yet. There's absolutely no reason why it couldn't be used as long as it's in its um, packaging and everything. It has been tampered with, all of that sort of stuff. But oh, come on, it just makes sense, you know. All right, Alan, oh, Cindy. I couldn't agree more. And I, somewhere in the hazes of my mind, I have read a story about how internationally they actually do do this in other countries. And there was um, a, a whole lot of medicine left over from the Vietnam War or, or something like that that was shipped off to some third world countries. So it does happen in other places, correct? Uh, absolutely. There, there's precedents currently um, overseas. So there's a, a couple of companies out of the U.S. One is called Serum. Uh, they've save, uh, saved or redistributed about $192 million worth of medication. There's another right. company in the U.S. Um, called SafeNet Rx, $103 million, and that's U.S. dollars. There's a similar company in Greece, um, millions of euros. They have um, repurposed uh, worth of medications. So it does happen. Um, and there is, and you, you guys are absolutely right, there is, um, if the medication that's been returned is still in the original container, hasn't been an ex, um, hasn't expired, then there is good chances that could be repurposed. And there is technology in development out of the UK where we can actually um, print temperature and humidity sensors right on the packaging of the um, of expensive medication, so we can track and monitor. Um, how that medication is um, being stored while it's with a patient before it gets returned. Um, there is research happening in the Netherlands at the moment where um, um, uh, stakeholders, um, that's patients and clinicians, are looking positively towards something like that. And it, 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 it does so much for the country. Like um, It has social, environmental, economic um, benefits, but it also increases the resilience of, um, of, of our country as a, um, as a nation because we have the at the end of the supply chains, at the bottom of the world, um, in, in a disaster situation, in a um, pandemic situation, what happens if we don't get the shipment of a drug that we're running out of? Um, what happens? We need to have these mechanisms in place so we can call upon those when, when, when the time is there. Yep. So uh, now uh, in terms of um, uh, what needs to happen, what would need to happen? I, I, I guess you'd have to have some significant processes, robust practices in place in the New Zealand system. So would it be quite a thing to set up? Would it even need some sort of legislation to pass? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Mm. So um, it will need legislation um, to allow to do this. Um, so I'm going to Parliament. Um, the petition was actually presented late last year. Um, so this is um, going to a select committee process on, on Thursday. And, Panit, so, is it going to yeah. be uh, expensive to actually um, do the do the execution? Let's just say <laughs> that they said yes. Is it going to be a very difficult proposition to to, to set up the process? Look, I don't. I don't think it. It is going to be difficult. It depends on the mechanism that uh, that will be utilised. Um, and uh, before we do that, we need to sort of say, okay, yes, we agree. This is a problem, and we want to solve that. I, I can see it being solved in three different ways. There could be um, a direct um, consumer to consumer donation, uh, which is facilitated by a health professional, which means that um, two people, uh, one of them, uh, a donor, um, had a prescription for an expensive drug, and there's a receiver um, who, who also has a valid prescription to receive that drug, but because of um, uh, whatever reason, it's not available for the recipient um, or, or it's not funded for the recipient. 
and they'd uh, sign a declaration waiving off any liability um, in, in presence of a health professional. It could be donated directly in that way. So it's, it's a controlled process. Right. And then there is um, the recertification process where stuff gets collected from community pharmacies and then um, and there's uh, checks and balances in place where uh, the pharmacist um, again goes through and um, ensures the quality of the product um, it's still within the date and it hasn't been tampered with. So all, all those checks happen. Um, and at the same time, we can also utilize technology to, to see, okay, when was it dispensed? How long it was it out of the um, control temperatures for using technology? We can track that um, and then make yeah. a call of, okay, yes, we can utilize that. So I feel okay. that if, if, if there was a um, system utilized like this, that there will be net positive. I don't, I don't think we will spend more money than we will get from okay. it. Okay, so you clearly vetted this, uh, this system uh, fairly well, uh, Puneet. All the best for the petition mm. uh, to Parliament this week, and uh, we'll uh, see how that goes. Uh, that Thank was you very pharma- much. Pleasure. That was pa- pharmacist Puneet Saini uh, with us there. Uh, it is uh, 4.55. The panel RNZ National, our next guest. We're, we're going to talk, be talking snow, uh, but uh, not there quite yet. We'll see if we can get to that or not. In the meanwhile, in the meantime, rather, um, a bit of response regarding what you found. Found $50 in the street, handed it into the cops, Went back at the appropriate time. Nobody had claimed it. Receptionist handed me $70. I said, it was only 50 She agreed, remembered me, but said Central insisted on giving me $70. So <laughs> I took it. <laughs> and Gosh. a lot regarding whether or not, uh, I might return to this tomorrow, whether or not you should keep salaries in financial talk private or not. As a divorce lawyer, I agree with everything your guest said, uh, the finance lecturer, Ayesha Scott, I think it was, wasn't it? Um, women especially need to understand their finances. It leaves people in a terrible situation when the worst happens and women have no idea how their mortgage, savings and investments are managed. Well, I just, I agree with that, but I think that's quite a, a, a different thing to, you know, being out at the cafe with your group yeah. of friends and saying, <clears throat> oh, my Lord, you know, I've just lost $10,000, you know, talk, right. talking about money. But mm, mm. you've got to understand it and chat within your family. But, I, you know, I don't okay, agree. Fair enough. All right, just a wee word on this. Warm weather and a lack of snow have uh, left some of the country's top ski areas in desperate need of some snow. Thousands of visitors from Australia are expected to arrive in Queenstown during the upcoming school holidays. What does it mean for operators that are up and down the country? And for, first, do you ski, Ellen? Very badly, but I, have, I haven't been skiing for ages, actually. With but. us is James from the Husky Field. Kia ora, James. Kia ora. How are you doing, Wallace? Very, very well. How, how are you folks looking? Oh, look, um, it's, it's not been the, the best of starts for us. We've managed to get open pretty much on our scheduled opening date with a meagre 17 centimetres of snow. Oh, but we've gosh. got an amazing snowmaking system these days, which pretty much compensates um, if the weather's cold enough for lack of snow falling out of the sky, but has been pretty warm. It's been a massive blocking high sitting off on the east coast of New Zealand for the last sort of three or four weeks, which has kept things pretty mild and wet. Cindy? So, James, are you saying you can't use a snowmaker if it's not cold? Um, There is a combination of humidity and temperature that's required to get Mm. snowmaking to work. Mm. So we Mm. can make snow when it's above freezing, 
but it needs to be pretty dry. So we've been doing that quite a bit, but uh, we had some rain uh, over the last weekend, uh, 40 millimetres of rain, it pretty much washed out our snow. Oof. Wow. That, I, I'm assuming those snowmakers must churn through the uh, electricity. That can't be an energy-efficient process, presumably. It must cost oh, you a fortune. It's not too bad. Our water comes uh, from bores on the mountain, and uh, all of our power comes from renewables here in the South Island. Oh, so wow. we're pretty good around that. Um, and we've just, we've just bought into Meridian's 100% renewable power. So we kind of pay a little bit of a premium for green power, as it were, but we, uh, we do our uh, dependent on those. Good on you, James. Oh, hey, look, all the best for the season. A short one there, Thank but uh, thanks. That's James McKenzie there. Hutski Affair, Te Hotaka Mo Tēnei Rā, Kia Pai, Tō That is the show for the day. Have a great night to you, Sydney, to you, Alan. Thanks for being with me. I'm Wallace Chaffin. See you tomorrow, 3.45 was Stephen Franks and Ella Henry. Lisa Owen and Checkpoint is next.